If you have your Bibles, want to turn to Luke chapter 2. We're going to be looking at verses 8 to 20 this morning. And so we're going to kind of camp out there for, the, for this morning. And so you can turn there. And as you turn there, I, ha- I have a question to ask you. Have you ever forgotten something that's important? Now, I know that we all forget things, and, and if you're like me, I forget things on a, on a weekly basis, and thankfully I live a mile from the church, so uh, every week I make a trip or two back to my house to get something that I forgot to bring to the office. And, and you know, so we all forget those kind of things, but have you ever forgotten something important? I remember uh, maybe 12 or 13 years ago uh, at my last church, we were getting ready to take our, our, our kids on a trip to creation. Uh, the Christian Music Festival in Mount Union, Pennsylvania. And so we were packing up the van in Sunbury, and I was going to go early with a few guys to set up camp. And so we, we packed the van, and we made a two-hour trip to Mount Union. And as we're pulling into Mount Union, I reach into my folder to get the tickets out, and I remember that I forgot the tickets, that they were sitting on my desk in my office at church. And I had to make a phone call and ask for someone to bring, bring the, the tickets out to us. And we had to wait. And I was mortified. I planned everything else, but I forgot the tickets. And those were important because I wasn't going to get in without them. We all forget things that are important. There's a story about a young lady who was going off to college for the first time. And this young lady had some plants and a goldfish. And as she was getting ready to go for college, she decided she was going to leave them at home. And she asked her mom to look after her plants and her goldfish. Now, her mom was forgetful, and she had a brown thumb. I don't know if some of you can identify if, uh, if you have a brown thumb or not good at keeping plants. But she, she was forgetful and had a brown thumb. Unfortunately, after a month away from college... Her mom called her and broke the bad news. Her plants had died because she forgot to take care of them. She forgot to water them. So they ended their conversation, and and the next week went by, and and the daughter picked up the phone and decided to call home and see how things were going on at home. And she called her mom, and her mom had to break the bad news to her that her fish had died because she forgot to feed it regularly. There was a pause on the young lady's end of the phone, and after the silence was what seemed like forever, she sheepishly asked a question, how's dad? (laughs) Um, And so we come into this Christmas season, and it's easy to forget what's important, right? Like feeding dad. It's, It's easy to forget those things, but seriously, though, it's easy to get our priorities mixed up. It's easy to get confused, and the true meaning of Christmas is forgotten. But you know who helps us remember the true meaning of Christmas during this Christmas season? Charles Schultz and his his, uh, um, special on Christmas, Charlie Brown Christmas, that's played over and over again on TV. But in, in his special, Charlie Brown's given the task of picking out a special Christmas tree for him and his friend's Christmas program. And you know, you've probably all seen this. You've seen Charlie Brown. He went to the tree, uh, the, the, the tree place, and, and he picked out this sad-looking tree. It, it bent, and the, and the needles were falling off. And he picked this lonely tree, and he brought it back to his friends. And they mocked him. 
And they said, what? Charlie, this is a lousy tree. Why would you pick this tree? Which makes Charlie Brown pretty depressed. And in the midst of, of, of his despair, he cries out, isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? And you know what? Sometimes our world gets so confused about what Christmas is all about. And, and we just need to cry out, isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Thankfully, Charlie Brown had a good friend named Linus. And Linus says, I know what it's all about. And he proceeds to read Luke 2, 8 through 14. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men whom his favor rests. This morning, our figure of faith from the nativity is the shepherds. We're going to look at the lives of the shepherds. And as we look at their lives, there are three dimensions of their lives that I want to focus on. And as we look at those dimensions, my hope is that we all would be reminded, never to forget that Christmas is about Christ. So we're going to look, we're, we're going to use Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 20, and try to uncover these three dimensions of the shepherd's life. And the first dimension that we want to look at is they were disregarded. They, they were disregarded. In Luke 2, chapter 8, it says, and there were shepherds living out in their fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Shepherds were disregarded. If we think about the life of, the, of a shepherd, they were the fellowship of the forgotten. They were the fellowship of the forgotten. They had no status in their culture. They were called shepherds. They were uneducated, they smelled lousy, and they were considered low class. In Jesus' day, if you were a shepherd, it was a dead-end job. It was a dead-end job. You had no hope for advancement. They had little hope from doing anything for the rest of their lives but be a shepherd. And as a result, you wouldn't want your daughter to marry a shepherd. They, they, were, they were considered low class. Now let's not be too judgmental of this culture. Because if we're truly honest, we can, we can be just like their culture. We forget those who are insignificant, don't we? You know, this time of year, I don't know about you, but at my house, I get lots of information from Samaritan's Purse from World Vision, from Compassion, uh, from International Justice Mission, and all of these things about giving to help kids and families in need all over the world. And these are all great causes. And I can remember one time you know, talking to my mom about this, and, and, and she says, these are all great causes, Jonathan, but you know what? There are people all around us that aren't in countries you know, halfway across the, the world that need help. And you know what? These are great causes, and it's easy to give money to those causes. But if we look hard enough, you know what? We can all identify and recognize hurting 
people that need help that we can personally invest our lives in. You know, see, we often are like the culture of the shepherds, and, and we look at people that are insignificant, and we just forget them. And we just move on. We just live our own life. The shepherds, they were the fellowship of the forgotten. They also had a hard and lonely job. They had a hard and lonely job. This week I did some research and I wanted to see uh, what uh, Google said about what's the hardest, loneliest jobs in the world today. And according to Google, and you know, the internet never lies, so according to Google, um, it says that uh, you know, coal miners, Alaskan crab fishermen, and oil drillers have the hardest, most lonely jobs of today. Well, shepherds had a hard and lonely job. It was a tough thankless job. It was, it was a tough and thankless job. It was a dangerous occupation. It was their responsibility to protect the sheep from robbers and wild animals. But in the great scheme of things, they still weren't considered very important. Even though they had a tough job, they, they weren't considered important. The shepherds were secluded. They spent 24-7 with sheep. Talk about an exciting existence. I don't know, I, I've gone to the farm show, and I've walked down the sheep aisles, and I may have been there not, maybe, you know, four minutes, and that was long enough, but this is 24-7 with sheep, leading them to grass and water, making sure they didn't wander off during the day and that they were safe at night. The shepherds, they were nomads. They were always on the move looking for green pastures and clean water. It was a hard and lonely job. They were also outcasts and misfits. They were religious outcasts. As far as spiritual matters, they were, they, were, they, they were looked at as ceremonially unclean because they didn't wash properly and because they came into contact with a lot of dead animals. So they were, they were considered ceremonially unclean and they were not welcome in the temple or the synagogue for the feasts or the holy days or the services. They were religious outcasts they were also misfits of society. If you think about it, if you spent 24-7 with sheep, you were probably pretty socially awkward. Uh, you probably had a hard time communicating with people if you just spent all your time with sheep. And so, you know, they were, they were socially awkward and, and didn't have a whole lot of people skills like most people who, who are around people all the time. And you know what? They were also infamous for thievery. They were considered to be thieves, and, and because of that, and they had this reputation, because of that, they could not, they could not, uh, uh, they were not permitted to give testimony in legal proceedings. This just kind of paints a picture of who these guys are. They are the lowest of the low. Michael and Stormy O'Meriton uh, came out with a, a musical a few years ago, maybe 10 or 12 years ago, called Child of the Promise, and in a song nothing ever happens to a shepherd, they write these words about the shepherd. Listen to them. It's, it's interesting. It's cold outside in this God-forsaken place, and we're stuck here with a thousand sheep. While life is exciting for everybody else, the highlight of our day is sleep. It's lonely out here in this isolated job. Our position is without esteem. We're socially challenged. We're society's scourge. We're not exactly every woman's dream. Shepherds have a humble purpose. Of our, of our fate, few people care. Sometimes I wonder if God knows we exist 
If he does, he's forgotten where. Nothing ever happens to a shepherd. Life is as boring as can be. While exciting things occur all over the world, nothing ever happens to me. These statements characterize the life of a shepherd. They were forgotten outcasts with difficult jobs. They were very much disregarded. That's the first dimension of their life. They were disregarded. The second dimension of their life we see is declaration. Declaration. And you know what? In certain times in our lives, it's important to to make public announcements. And one of those times is when you have a child. There's these things called birth announcements. And and a number of us, a number of our our family here is, is getting ready to have kids in the next few months. And so I thought I'd give you some help, ladies and give you some creative pointers on some creative birth announcements that I found this this week. Check out this first picture of this birth announcement. Here you go, uh, the newborn identity, kind of taking off a movie poster. I mean, if you want to do that, there you go, you can do that. Or this one, the top son. Uh, So uh, if you're having a boy, you can can do that. Or finally, this, this last one. Uh, a CIA kind of packet with, you know, fingerprints and footprints and pictures, you know, in a, in a nice little folder. You, you could do that. You know, one of the things we do as a culture is, you know, we, we give a birth announcement. Well, let's look at Jesus' birth announcement here in Luke chapter 2. And we see that his birth announcement has some rural receivers In verse 9 through 14 of Luke 2, it says this, An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Now, if you read that, does that sound like an accident to you? I mean, the heavenly GPS wasn't wrong. It wasn't recalculating. God God intentionally chose shepherds to receive this heavenly announcement. They were the only ones that got this heavenly birth announcement. It was the right place at the right time with the right people. And I think it's fair to say that the shepherds would not have been expecting this. They were, they were the spiritual outsiders, so they must have been blown away that an angel would come to them. But it was not a random choice. God sent an angel to the shepherds for this heavenly birth announcement. And as I was reading this and I was just thinking about this, the question that came to mind was, who would have I told If I was God, who would have I told? This was the greatest birth of all time. This was the Messiah. And if I was God, I would probably choose maybe the celebrities of the day, the important people. So so maybe I, I would go to the religious leaders, the priests and the rabbis. Or maybe I would have chosen, uh, you know, included some secular rulers like King Herod or military leaders or Caesar himself. Or maybe I would have chosen the influential leaders of the city or the wealthy merchants of the city. But God doesn't choose any of those. And when I look at this, I'm reminded, you know what? Our choices and God's choices are usually different. Our choices and God's choices are usually different. The only people who received the heavenly birth announcement were those special shepherds. 
Max Lucado, in in The Applause of Heaven, writes this about uh, the shepherds. An ordinary night with ordinary sheep and ordinary shepherds. And were it not for a God who loves to hook the extra on in front of the ordinary, the night would have gone unnoticed. The sheep would have been forgotten. The shepherds would have slept the night away. But God dances among the common. And that night he did a waltz. The black sky exploded with brightness. Sheep that had been silent became a chorus of curiosity. One minute the shepherd was dead asleep. The next he was rubbing his eyes and staring into the face of an angel. The night was ordinary no more. The angel came in the night because that is when lights are best seen. And that's when they're needed most. God comes into the common for the same reason. God's choices and our choices are usually different. And when I look at this passage, I'm reminded God often chooses to do his unparalleled work through people that we think as unqualified or unimportant. God usually chooses to do his unparalleled work to people that we label as unqualified or unimportant. Keep your finger here in Luke 2 and turn over with me to, uh, to 1 Corinthians 1. I, when I think about this, I'm reminded about Paul and what he wrote in 1 Corinthians 1, 26 to 31. And, and as Paul is writing this, I think he's going over the membership of the Corinthian church. I think he's going through in his mind, and, and he, wanted, he wanted to remind them that they were not famous. They weren't wealthy. They weren't highly educated or powerful or influential when they believed and put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. It's likely that when they became Christians, they lost whatever prestige and influence and income that they did have. And here in 1 Corinthians 1, verses 26 to 31, Paul writes, Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. He chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you're in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it's written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord." When I think about the shepherds and, and their position, when I, when I read this, this, this passage of Scripture in 1 Corinthians, I'm reminded that God specializes in using the forgotten to do the memorable. God specializes in using the forgotten to do the memorable. To God, nobodies are somebodies. And why is that? Why does God use the forgotten? Why does God use the people that we look at and say they're, they're not important, they're not significant? And I think there in verse 31, it tells us why he does it. So he can get the honor and glory, not us. So he can be recognized, so he can be worshipped, and so we aren't. So we don't get a big head. So we realize that if there's anything good about us, it's it's what God has done on the cross, that we have, can have a relationship with him, and he allows us to serve him. To God, nobodies are someone. And to God, each one of us needs to hear the good news. And that leads us to the second part of this declaration, the heavenly announcement. And in Luke chapter 2, again, in verses 10 and 11, we see that 
The angel said to them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. The heavenly announcement, it's good news of great joy for all people. Christ is the savior. The Jewish people have been waiting for the Savior. They've been watching for the Savior. They've, they've read about the Savior. And here, Jesus takes on humanity in the form of a baby. The Savior has come. And the angels give them the good news. And it's not just for the shepherds. It's for all people. Jesus is the Messiah. And so we see the good news. But you know what? As I read this, I realize, you know, we have a common calling, just like those shepherds. We have been entrusted with the same heavenly announcement. We have something in common with those shepherds on that first Christmas. As believers in Jesus Christ, we have been entrusted with that same heavenly announcement. God has given us his word, and in his word, we are told very clear that Jesus is the Messiah, And we're just like the shepherds. We have the same call to make known that Jesus is the Messiah. We need to share the good news. And Christmas is a great time to do that. Came across a minute and a half video that that just reminds us of this common calling that we have and that Christmas is a great time to share our faith. Watch this video. A virgin mother, a baby in a manger, the angels and the shepherds. It's a story heard throughout the world by believers and non-believers alike. Christmas arrives with gifts of hope, love, joy, and peace. At no other season is the world more receptive to the news that God loves the world. But no matter how familiar we are with the Christmas story, sharing our faith can be difficult. In the Bible, the Apostle John gives us a solution. One verse makes it as simple as possible. And it's a Christmas sermon that you can preach. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Even though these words are familiar, we cannot take them for granted. The reality is that God loves everyone. Jesus was sent to rescue us from our sins. No matter who you are or what you've done, you can experience eternal life by simply believing in Jesus as your Savior. John 3.16 sums up perfectly the good news of Christmas. It's a Christmas sermon that you can preach, and the world is waiting to hear it. I watched that video this week, and I was reminded we do have a common calling with those shepherds. God desires all of us to share this good news of great joy for all people. And the question that we need to ask ourselves is, are we sharing it? Am I sharing it? Or do I keep that good news to myself? The story would be totally different here in Luke 2 
the angels appeared to the shepherds and they did nothing. It'd be totally different. But we know that's not the case. They received a heavenly announcement and we have that same heavenly announcement in common calling. Final dimension of the shepherd's life that I will look at this morning is their devotion. Their devotion. We, we saw that they were disregarded. We saw that they got this declaration. And now let's look at their devotion. And first I want to look at the fact that they went. They went in Luke chapter 2, verses 15 and 16. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When the shepherds got news about the birth of Jesus, I like the fact that they didn't go casually. They left. They went. They moved. They were in a hurry. It wasn't one of those things where, okay, let's, what are we going to do with all these sheep? You know, well, who's going to watch the sheep? Where are we going to put them? You know, I'm sure they had to figure that out, but we, we were told they went. Whatever difficulty that they had to figure out of who was going to keep track of all of this, they figured out and they left. They went in the cool and the dark night. They went searching for Jesus. And it was such good news that they acted immediately. They couldn't wait one more minute. They became the first guests of the miraculous birth. Can you think, you know, when you, when you had your child and you were in the hospital, who was your first guest? Usually it's probably grandmas or grandpas or, uh, or someone special to you. Well, here the first guest of Jesus was those shepherds. They got the announcement and they went. Nothing could stop them. Nothing held them back. They went. We also see that they witnessed. In Luke 2, 17 and 18, it goes on and says, When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. They witnessed. They gave testimony. They shared their story with anyone and everyone who would listen. So they just didn't go and see this child, but now they were spreading the news, the good news about Jesus, that he has come. And they witnessed. They gave testimony to the fact that the Messiah is here. And finally, they worshiped. In verse 20 of Luke 2, the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. They praise God. They praise God for the accuracy of the story, that, that what the angels said to them was true, that just like, just like those angels told them, they found it exactly to be true, that God delivered on his promise, that the Messiah is there. But you know, as I think about this, not only praise God for, for the accuracy of the story, that, that he fulfilled his promise, but I think they praise God for the opportunity to be part of his story. Because shepherds weren't picked for a whole lot of anything. They were forgotten. They were overlooked. And I think that they were probably so amazed that God would choose them, that they praise God, just, for, just to be able to be a small part in God's story. And they worshiped and they praised God. It's a familiar story about these shepherds. We read it every Christmas. 
We look at it every Christmas. We could probably say the, you know, Luke 2, 8 to 20, probably pretty close to word to word. Repeat it word for word. But, you know, as we think about this, it's important for us to, to try to figure out, well, how does this apply to our life? How does this story apply to our life? And at first glance, as we look at the shepherds, I, don't, I think we think, hey, we don't have a lot in common with shepherds. I don't know about you. Do you know any shepherds? Uh, you know, depending how large your family is, maybe you feel like you're a shepherd. Uh, 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 the only time that I feel like I'm a shepherd that I can think of is, is you know, when, when we have traveled on missions trips and we're in the airport and I'm trying to wrangle 15 or 16 people to one location. I kind of feel like a shepherd there. But other than that, we, we don't really identify with shepherds. We don't have a lot in common with them, do we? But if we look closely at these lives of the shepherds, if we examine the three dimensions of their lives... I think we do have some things in common. I think we can identify with them. You know, we, all, we have all been disregarded and disrespected at some point in our life. At some point in our life, we've all been overlooked. We've, we, we've all been, you know, discounted. We've been disregarded. And the good news is, you know what, if we've experienced that from other people... We've never experienced that from God. People can disregard us. They can, they can forget about us. They can overlook us. But God never does. That's the story of Christmas. He came to earth to be our savior. He doesn't overlook us. So we, you know, we've all been disregarded. But you know what? We've all been given the divine declaration. Jesus Christ is the savior. We've all been given this divine declaration that just like the shepherds who went and, and witnessed, he wants us to go and witness too. He wants us to go and share this divine declaration with anyone who will listen. And finally, we all have the choice about our devotion. We all have the choice about our devotion. If we examine our lives, what are we devoted to? Who are we serving? Is there any evidence that we serve our Savior or others with our time, with our talent, or with our treasures? Who are we devoted to? When we look at the life of the shepherds, they were devoted. They left their sheep, they left their occupation, and they went... To, to, uh, uh, to, to find the Savior, and, and, and nothing could stop them. They were devoted. Who are we devoted to? Are we devoted to ourself, or are we devoted to our Savior? The shepherds could have come up with a lot of excuses not to be devoted, right? I mean, they could, they could have picked any of these excuses. They could have claimed that no one would listen to them because of their position, uh, that they have no experience in doing anything else but hang out with sheep. And so no one would listen to them. They, they, they wouldn't recognize them. They wouldn't hear them. They, wouldn't, uh, they, they would just disregard them. Yet they chose to do what they could to be devoted to their Savior. And the same is true for us. This Christmas, Jesus wants us to forget our excuses. He wants us to forget our excuses and continually remember to live lives devoted to him. He doesn't want our excuses. He wants our lives. 
And when we choose to be devoted to him, we may be disregarded by family, by friends. But you know what? We have received a heavenly declaration, and it calls for our devotion. And so as we look at the lives of the shepherds, the one thing that, that, uh, that I really think is important for us to realize is, you know what? People disregarded them. They overlooked them but they had this divine declaration and they were devoted. And the question is, do we want to follow their example? 